If you will, just for a few minutes as we begin, we just close your eyes. Close your eyes and just just breathe deeply. And this is not this is not some uh, Eastern religious type of exercise here. I, I just want you to just close your eyes and I want you to breathe. What are you breathing? What are you breathing in? You know, we, we think we're breathing in pure, clean oxygen. But the truth is, there are things that are in this air like dust particles. They're mold and mildew in the air. There, there's germs. There's all these things that we're breathing in. And maybe something worse. But the fact is, the things that we breathe in, they get inside our lungs and they can cause issues, all without even realizing that you're breathing them in. A few years ago, it was 2009-2010, uh, it was at Trinity Baptist Church in Boyd, Texas. That's my hometown. That's the church that I grew up in uh, when I was a kid. It's the church that my grandmother still attends today. Uh, a few years ago, they had a very difficult time, a very difficult season of life that really hit the church. And uh, what happened was... At the time, the pastor and his wife, they lived in the parsonage. Do you know what the parsonage is? Parsonage, back in the day, was a, you know, a house that the church owned, and a lot of times it was on the church property, and that's where the pastor would live. And so the pastor and his wife, they were older, they, were, they lived in the parsonage right by the church, and well, after church on a Sunday morning, they, um, the, the, the pastor's wife actually took someone else home after church. They needed a ride, so she gave them a ride home, and and she came home, she arrived back at, at her house, and she and her husband decided they were going to take a nap. And so he went back to the bedroom and laid down on the bed, and, and she went to sleep in a chair in another room in another part of the house. And, and so uh, the evening came, and you know they had a Sunday night service, and it was very uncommon that the pastor wouldn't be there early. And so the church was about to start, and he wasn't there. And so someone went over, they rang the doorbell, and, and no one came, and they knocked on the door, and still no one came to the door, and so they began to get a little suspicious and a little worried, so they, they found a way in the house, and, and they went in, and they found the pastor, he was still in bed, and he had died, and then they went to another part of the house, they found the wife, and she was barely clinging to life, and what they realized was, is they went into the garage, and the car was running. My grandmother told me that the pastor's wife had a brain tumor and that she sometimes had a hard time thinking clearly. She came back from taking that person home and she parked in the garage. She forgot to shut the car off. She shut the garage door and they took a nap and for a couple hours there, they were breathing toxic air and didn't even know it. And as a result, it took their life. So often you and I are breathing toxic air. We think we're breathing pure, clean oxygen, but really, we're breathing in things that can really harm our body. And I'm not talking so much in the physical sense as I am in a, a, an emotional sense, and in a spiritual sense, and in an intellectual sense. We're breathing in things that aren't healthy for our bodies. We're breathing in things that are toxic to our lives, such as conflict, and anger, and greed, and jealousy, and lust, and all the, the list goes on and on and on. And these things, though we don't even realize it, we're breathing them in and they're killing us. And today I want to begin this brand new sermon series called Oxygen. We're talking about the essential elements of life. 
And as you know, oxygen is essential for life. Without oxygen, the, the earth's crust would crumble in an is, instance. Without oxygen, buildings that are made with concrete would turn to dust. And without oxygen, all of the earth's oceans would evaporate. And so oxygen is very important to life and sustainability here on earth. But did you know that humans inhale over 6 billion tons of oxygen a year? That's right. Oxygen is essential for life. But oxygen also is essential in burning up the toxins in our bodies. And so oxygen is essential for life here. And so one of those toxins that we tend to breathe in is the the air of unforgiveness. And so today as we talk about oxygen, I want to talk about that single element that is so essential for our spiritual lives, our emotional lives, I want to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Take your Bible, turn to the book of John, if you will. John chapter 20 is where we'll be this morning. John chapter 20. It was resurrection day. Jesus had only been out of the tomb for a few hours when he did what he said he would do, and that was to appear to the disciples as his brothers, as his friends. And this was immediately after the resurrection. So he had been breathing for just a few hours and the the disciples were in a meeting and they were fearful of their lives and so they were in this room with the door locked and in walks Jesus. He walked in through the wall, okay? And the first words he says was, peace be with you. I don't know if he was just trying to be funny or what, but you got this guy who was supposed to be dead. He's raised from the dead. He walks into the The room, the door was locked, but he just walked right through the wall and he said, peace be with you. And he was appearing there and and it was evident that these guys realized that this was Jesus. This was the resurrected Christ. It got their attention. They sit down. I I don't know all that went on there, but but here's what Jesus did. He went there for a purpose. And the Bible says that he breathed on them. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And when he said receive the Holy Spirit, he followed with these words. He said, those who you forgive will be forgiven. Those from whom you withhold forgiveness, it will be withheld. Those were some of the first words that Jesus spoke just hours after being raised from the dead. And so when you look at that, when you try to estimate all this, where does forgiveness fit in the whole scheme of life and in, in, in the Christianity and all that we are as believers and as the church, I believe if forgiveness was one of the first things that Jesus told the disciples that they were to do and to be about, I believe that forgiveness is at the top of the list. You know, one of the things we do here is we say, hey, we are to be about loving God and loving people. And I believe we're doing a great job of that, by the way. And for those of you who are in relationship together, for those of you who greet people that come in the front door, hey, you make people feel welcome. I get testimonies from people all the time. Hey, you guys have a friendly church. And so I want to say thanks for being so friendly. But I also want to say thanks to all of you who are in relationship together, who constantly and continually breathe life into one another. Forgiveness is a big deal, and we have to be about forgiveness. So I want to talk about this for a few minutes today because it's one of those things that Jesus was really trying to drive home to his disciples. To say, hey, I am, as as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And the scripture is John 20, verse 19 to 23. You can read the entire passage later. I'm not going to do that right now. But I want to focus on what, how and why Jesus was telling the disciples that they must be about forgiveness. 
Because forgiveness is powerful. Have you ever thought about this? Who has the power to forgive? This was a big issue in Jesus' day because when Jesus claimed that he had the power to forgive sins, it it really ended up costing him his life. But Jesus is telling the disciples here, hey, you have the power to forgive sins. And not so much in the same way that Jesus did, not in the same way that's going to save us spiritually and give us eternal life, but in the way that it's going to save us emotionally, it's going to save us intellectually, it's going to save us socially, relationally. And by reducing the stress in our life, it's going to save us physically. Amen? Hey, I've dealt with a lot of stress in my life due to relationships. I can deal with financial stress somewhat. I can deal with um, stress in other ways, just, you know, pressure put on me from various sources or reasons. But man, when it comes to relationships and unforgiveness, it really just tears me up on the inside. And from my experience, what it does is it begins to it begins to cause things to happen in my life. Last night, I uh, was about to uh, sit down to study. My kids were going to bed and um, I hear my son. He's upstairs and he's like, um, Dad, you might want to come up here. I was like, okay, here we go. Stop doing what you're doing. Get up there. And there's a big leak. I have water dripping from my ceiling. I go upstairs, uh, up in the attic, and I look. My air conditioner has a... The, the drain pipe was was broken, and it's leaking water. I guess it has been for, for several days, and it's began, to manif- it's began to manifest itself coming through the ceiling. So I ran out, and I got my, my wet dry vac, you know. I got some buckets and some rags and some fans. And um, so I had this stack of buckets, and they're small buckets, and we use them to to uh, wash the cars and I pulled those buckets apart and I about passed out because the air that I breathed in was not clean it stunk and I mean it was it was nasty and what was happening is there was so much mold in there something was starting to grow and it reminded me of this when we are unforgiving we're like this moldy bucket and something's starting to grow and it's anger and it's bitterness and it manifests itself in hatred and division and revenge, all the things that we are to control and to get rid of in our life. Okay? So forgiveness is a big deal. But when Jesus was talking to the disciples about forgiveness, he, I believe he was trying to drive home this lesson. And that is this. Is that forgiveness is a principle. It's not just a principle to be preached, but it's a principle to be practiced. It's a principle that we're to live out every single day of our lives as believers in Christ. And so before I go any further, does this resonate with you? Does this connect with you at all in any way? Well, I'll just tell you, it sucks for me. I'm just telling you straight up, okay? I don't use that word a lot from behind the pulpit, but I just want to be real today and let you know, I don't like forgiveness. I don't like, I don't like the process of forgiveness. Let me be clear. I love forgiveness. I just don't like the process. And so today I want to talk to you about what forgiveness is. And I want to talk to you about what forgiveness is not. I want to flip those a little bit. And I just want to help you walk through forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you a story. But forgiveness is a huge deal. And so, but I want you to understand what forgiveness is not. And before we go any further, you said this resonates with you. You know, we just finished our one campaign. And that's where we invite people to Easter. And we try to reach out to people. Um, I think we need to start a new one campaign. The one campaign uh, is traditionally here for us is getting a, 
a picture in your mind of a person or a family. You write their name down and you begin to pray for that family, for God to speak into their life, for them to come to church with you, for God to reach them and for God's spirit to really fall on them, to bring them to a place of, of, hey, God, I need you. And I think we need a new one campaign right now. And that is, who is your one? Who is that one person that you need to forgive or who is that one person that you need to go to and ask for forgiveness? And so when I hear about preaching, I heard a preacher talking about, you know, he's talking about preaching or teaching preachers how to preach. That he's, when he teaches preachers how to preach, he says, don't preach to a congregation. Don't preach to a crowd. Preach to a person. I've always kind of done that. I don't know. It's just, it just kind of came naturally of just getting not, you know, I don't think well, I'm preaching to Barry this week. Yes. Um, next week, I'm preaching to Lynn. Lynn, you're on my radar, buddy. You know, and um, I remember my father-in-law when he was alive and preaching. People would say, "Hey, uh, brother Kelly, who are you? What are you preaching on this week?" He'd say, "You." You know, um, so he just he just mess with people. Well, I, I don't really necessarily do that. I don't get like a picture of a person in my mind, but I try to think. I try to think how is God's word going to impact the person and not just the congregation. A lot of times we think hypothetically about forgiveness. How, you know, we want to, we want to hear about forgiveness as a principle to be preached, but not as one to be practiced in our own life. And so I just want to challenge you right now. I'm sure a few people are coming to mind. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, okay? But what is forgiveness and what is it not? First, what is it not? First of all, forgiveness is not apologizing. A lot of times we think we can just apologize. There are going to be, there are going to be two lists here. Each of them have about ten things. One is ten, one's eight, I believe. So we'll kind of go quickly. But apologizing doesn't mean you've forgiven. If someone comes and apologizes to you, it doesn't make the sting go away. It doesn't make the hurt go away. Uh, there's stuff still there. So apologizing is not necessarily forgiveness. Another one is excusing. So you can excuse behavior. Uh, that You can excuse the person's way. I know a good one is, hey, that's just the way he is. That's just the way she is. My deal is, hey, that's not okay. It's not okay to be that way. It's not okay to be that way. Um, that is not good. And so sometimes we get into that routine of just wanting to forgive or to um, excuse people's behavior or to excuse our own. The third one is avoiding the issue. And this is a big one for me. Man, I am a huge avoider. A huge avoider. I hate conflict. When God was calling me to ministry and I knew it and I had a little taste of what ministry was like and I began to kind of see what I might have to deal with as a pastor, I was like, God, I don't want anything to do with that. I like the idea of just going in, preparing a message, preaching it on Sunday, and then going back to my office, shutting the door. I don't like conflict. Just don't like it. Anybody else like conflict? You're in trouble, Michael. Dude, you're in trouble. Um, anybody else like conflict? No, it's not fun. Some people. I used to think my wife liked conflict. Then I learned she just liked to make up. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Say amen. Help me out over here, Heather. I'm on my own. But avoiding the issue is huge. When I was growing up, we had a huge avoidance problem. Um, we have issues. Every family has issues, right? Everybody in this room has issues. I just want you to know, I have, I have the biggest issues. My issues will match and probably outdo yours. Just so you feel better, all right? And so my family was really good about avoiding the issue. And many times there would be 
this big issue called the elephant in the room. Okay? You know about the elephant in the room, right? It's the issue that everybody sees, but no one wants to acknowledge. Nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room. And we get close to the elephant, man. We, we probably even pet the elephant a little bit. Sometimes we might even take the elephant with us. Okay? Wherever we go. I mean, the elephant's there. Elephants are kind of ugly, by the way. Right? But they're big. They're, they're ugly. Nobody wants to deal with the elephant. What we try to do is sweep the elephant under the rug. You can hide it, but you will trip over it. The elephant under the rug is difficult to deal with. It still has to be dealt with. It doesn't go away. You can avoid it, but it's still there. You understand? There are a lot of ways that that we would deal with stuff in my family. We'd sweep it under the rug. A few years ago, the rug the rug like rotted, okay? And the rug just came apart, and then this big elephant sitting there. And we had to deal with it. And what it began to do in my family is it began to rip people apart. It ripped me apart emotionally. It, ripped, it almost ripped my family, my, my marriage apart emotionally. It ripped my family, my mom, my dad, my siblings apart emotionally. This has been almost 10 years now, okay? And we've just now been starting to deal with the issue. And really just kind of getting back together and not really dealing with the issue. But avoidance will never fix the issue. It'll always be there. Avoidance is not forgiveness. And so, there's another thing. There's a fourth thing that I want you to see here. And I'm going to leave the elephant right there, okay? So just pay attention. I'll throw that one on top of the rug just for fun. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Just because you feel like you've let it go, just because you're starting to feel differently about that person and like you can maybe be around that person, it doesn't really mean that you've forgiven. So forgiveness is not a feeling. Number five, forgiveness is not pretending. We got a lot of pretenders. We have a lot of people that walk around pretending that everything is okay and it's not okay. You know, you have, you, you butt heads with somebody, you, you have a relational conflict, you even have a separation and whether it's in a marriage or just a friendship or a church relationship, maybe it's at work and you just pretend that everything is okay. Well, the pretending it's, it's in here and it's, it's molding and it's, it's heavy it doesn't feel good. And eventually it'll, it'll manifest itself. And it'll show you that unforgiveness is still there. Then there's another one. And that is forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Hey, I've forgiven people and I've never forgotten the instance. Because what it has done, the, the event has scarred me in my mind, in my emotion. It's still there. It's okay to not forget the issue. You are not God. God says that I put your sin away from me as far as the east is from the west, and I remember it no more. You do not have a perfect mind like Christ. It's okay to still remember, but it's not okay to continue to hold the grudge against the person even when you said you forgave. Number seven. Number seven is reconciling. Just because you reconcile, just because you... It kind of goes along with pretending. Just because you say everything's okay and you hang around together, you spend time together, you go to the same family functions... Maybe you live in the same house. Maybe it's your spouse or your kid or, or who knows. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Hello. My mother-in-law lived with me for three years. I don't hold any grudges against my mother-in-law, by the way. But maybe it's someone who lives inside your home. Um, just because you've reconciled and you spend time together doesn't mean you've forgiven. Number eight, forgiveness is not a one-time thing. 
Just because you say, hey, I've forgiven and you've spoken forgiveness or you've communicated forgiveness to that other person, it doesn't mean that all the forgiveness is there. I believe forgiveness is more of a process. It does take time for forgiveness to take root and for it to come to completion, to perfection. Number nine, forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. It's very difficult. And forgiveness, number 10, is not an option. Forgiveness is not an option. Matthew 6, 14, verse 15 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Do you see it? Forgiveness is not an option. You have to forgive. And man, I've heard them all because I've had to run through the list myself. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know how it felt. You don't know how it cut to the core of who I am. You don't know how it challenged me. You don't know how it humiliated me. Whatever the the, the deal is, you have to forgive. It's not an option. Well, here's what forgiveness is. Here's a definition for you. And this is a very basic definition. Forgiveness is releasing someone from a debt or an obligation. It's releasing someone from a debt or an obligation. And uh, it's, when you think of debt, you think in terms of money, something that someone owes you. Well, emotionally, people have hurt you. They've taken something from you. Uh, there have been people who have, have gone through very, um, I won't say, I won't say insignificant. I'll just say light conflict with people that you know you have a hard time releasing them from the debt. But it might be an easier debt to release someone from than say uh, a divorce or abuse or abandonment, something like that, that is deeply rooted within who you are that makes it very difficult for you to release that person from that debt or obligation. But here is here are like eight things I'm going to give you about forgiveness. Forgiveness is foundational. Forgiveness is foundational. It is the foundational element of who we are in Christ. Jesus said he came to the disciples and he... He breathed on them. If you'll just get the picture, what it, when else did, did God breathe on someone? He breathed life into Adam. He breathed life into him and he became a living soul. I believe that forgiveness sucks the life out of us. And, and God was saying here as Jesus was breathing upon his disciples, hey, I am breathing life into you. And then it's a kind of a picture. If you, if you know that the, the word for spirit is pneuma, it's a Greek word, pneuma. It means air. And he he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, those who you forgive will be forgiven. Those who you withhold forgiveness from, it will be withheld. Because we have the power to forgive. And what he was showing us is that forgiveness is foundational to the Christian life. You can't love God and love other people if you aren't willing to forgive even those who are closest to you, even down to your worst enemy. We've got to love people and we've got to forgive people. It's foundational to who we are. Number two, it's essential. It's essential for personal growth. It's essential for joy. It's essential for fulfillment. The alternative is potential bitterness and anger and malice and retaliation. More personal and relational damage. So it's essential. Number three, forgiveness is brutal. It's brutal. Brutal means it's difficult. It's a hard thing to do. It's extremely difficult. It's extremely unpleasant. And it may be the hardest thing that you've ever done is to forgive someone. 
Number four is it's personal. Because here's the, here's the thing, is we believe that forgiveness is a gift that we're giving to someone else. And we say, I am withholding my forgiveness. Well, when you're withholding your forgiveness, what you're doing is you're, you are, you are holding on to that person's sin. And my question is, what are you going to do with it? You have enough sins and enough issues to carry around on your shoulders by yourself. What are you going to do with someone else's sin? You going to carry it along with you? It'll wear you out. It'll weigh you down. So it's very personal. See, the gift in forgiveness is not for the other person as much as it is for yourself. Be gracious to yourself. Forgive those that you have issues with. It's personal. Number five is it has to be, and it is, it's intentional. It doesn't happen automatically over time. I remember when first started having issues in my family, I had a guy come to me and say, Brian, I just want you to know, that time heals a lot of wounds. Okay, physically, time heals wounds. Okay, we know how the skin repairs itself over time. It'll leave a scar. Uh, emotionally, it's, it's a lot the same way. However, I see emotional, emotional pain and trauma from unforgiveness a little, a little bit differently. I, I grew up out in the country, and there were a lot of times in my life that I had stickers and splinters and thorns in, in my skin, and it would hurt, and I couldn't get them out. And what happens is, is it'll stay there for a while, and it'll even kind of uh, heal over, and it won't, it won't really affect you a whole lot. But over time, it'll, it'll start to kind of peel your skin away, and it'll, it'll begin to rise back to the surface. So I think unforgiveness is the same way. Unforgiveness and issues, can they can be buried for a while, but over time, they will begin to manifest themselves again. It's got to come out. It's got to happen. And so someone has to be intentional. I heard someone say that we have to be willing to overstep the lines that we have drawn in the sand. Someone has to be willing to take that step to overstep those lines. And there are a lot of lines we've drawn in the sand. And what do those lines look like? Actually, it's what they sound like. I will never they always, they always, so I will never. And you can fill in the blank. And we draw those lines in the sand and we decide what our actions are going to be in the future when we don't really know where we're going to be, what situations we're going to be in, or how God is going to lead us to respond when we are faced with a difficult face-to-face -face interaction. So don't draw those lines in the sand. You've got to be intentional to say, God... I want to forgive, but I'm not there yet. Help me to take those steps. Help me to get there because I want to forgive. I want to be healed. I want you, God, to do a work in my life. So you got to be intentional. Number six, number six is this, is that forgiveness is supernatural. It's supernatural. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, hey, I'm breathing my the Holy Spirit into you and on you because I've called you to forgiveness. And what I recognize after spending three years of my life with you guys is you don't have the power within yourself to forgive anybody. Think about this. Peter being pulled aside by Jesus. John is in the vicinity. He's kind of following along, really not paying attention. That's kind of the way I get the picture. But Peter's like, hey, Jesus, why is this guy coming? He'd been with him for three years. Peter and John, I mean, they were the first three, Peter, James, and John. He'd spent a lot of time with John, but he didn't want John around. He just wanted his own time with Jesus. 
he had potential unforgiveness toward John. And Jesus was like, hey, what's that to you? That's what he says. What's that to you? Worry about your own self. Worry about your own issues. Worry about what I'm going to do through you and what I'm calling you to. Don't worry about John. By the way, the one whom I love. God loves all different people. I said that kind of hick, didn't I? People. People. That's my nature coming out in me. He loves everybody. And when I have gone through issues, I've always felt like God was on my side. And one time I had to realize that God was on my side and God was on their side. Just as much on that side as He was on my side. And yet we were worlds apart. Forgiveness is supernatural. We don't have the ability within ourselves to forgive. It's not natural. It doesn't come easy. But here's another one. Number seven is forgiveness is unconditional. There can be no stipulations, no ifs, ands, or buts. It's all about mercy and grace. Never based on the actions or responses of the other person. No list of wrongs or rights. No comparisons. I'm not talking about reconciliation yet. I'm talking about the first step in forgiveness. Because forgiveness is not so much about the other person as it is about you and God. God's forgiveness has conditions. Yours can have none. Okay? Because we're not God. So it's unconditional. I was faced with... um, situation a few years ago that caused a lot of hurt and pain and unforgiveness in my life. And three or four months ago when I was planning sermon material, I uh, was planning this series and God began to speak to me about those issues. And I don't know how you are when you pray, but when I start to pray, God brings that issue up immediately. Hey, Brian, what about this? But no, God, we're going to put that over here for now. We just want to talk to you about this because I need you to. And God was like, no, we can't talk about that. And God and I, I was like, all right, I'll just shut down. It's hard to preach a message on forgiveness when you have unforgiveness in your heart. And um, you have to forgive me if I get a little emotional. I'm going to tell you the story. Many of you and some of you were part of it. It really ripped the church, this church apart. Um, in a lot of ways, and it, about three years ago, and um, just carried a lot of baggage from that situation. And God would bring this up to me every time I would try to pray, and man, I would just continue to pray, but I just really felt like something was, wasn't right, and God would bring this issue up to me and re- begin to realize that was the issue, and God says, you got to forgive, and I said, oh no, that ain't happening, because I didn't do it. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's on them. And I just began to cast all this blame, all this blame, all this blame. And but I was carrying the burden. And so there's more. I mean, I'm carrying the I'm carrying their burden. God, don't you see? Don't you see what this is doing to me? I mean, I just had argument with, with God after argument with God after argument with God. And I heard this story about this preacher who had pastored in a small town and and um, he had eventually left that church. But he was coming back to preach a revival message. And. They met to have this prayer meeting for the revival. 
And in the middle of the prayer meeting, God brought to his mind, hey, you need to go forgive so-and-so. And it was another pastor in town. So he said, you need to go to his house, knock on his door, and let him know you forgive him. So the guy struggled with it quite a bit, but eventually he says, okay, God, I'll do it. So he walks down the street, you know, he goes, he knocks on the door, and he, the preacher comes, you know, and he's, he's feeling all this angst, he's really nervous, and he says, hey, I just want you to know I forgive you. The pastor says, you know, I appreciate that. And the other pastor that came to, to do the forgiving, he says, okay. So he goes on his way and he's feeling really good about life. And he says, all right, we're good. Let's, let's go pray some more, you know. And God says, hey, that's not good enough. You need to go back and do it again. He's like, oh, come on, God. I mean, this, this is not right. I mean, I did, I did it the first time. Goes back, knocks on the door. The guy comes to the door. He sees him again. He's, you know, probably a little curious. The pastor says, hey, I just want you to know, I forgive you. The other pastor was like, yeah, yeah, I told you, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all fine. You know, it's water under the bridge, you know, whatever. So he leaves. God says, hey, that's not good enough. He's like, come on, God. And he just wrestles with going back. I mean, they're going to think I'm crazy going back a third time. Ends up, he goes back, he knocks on the door, and he begins to pour his heart out to this other preacher. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry how I hurt you. And just goes on and on. And eventually, the other pastor broke down and apologized and asked for forgiveness too. They, they hugged. They embraced. And God set them free from unforgiveness. And preacher goes on. God blesses the revival. The story, though, is a story of forgiveness. That's where revival actually begins. But in the middle of hearing this, the story, God says, Brian, that's what you have to do for them. And I said, oh, heck no. But I probably didn't say heck, just so you know. I don't like forgiveness. I, didn't li- I don't like the discomfort of being challenged with it. I even came up with a list of why nots. And I didn't give those to you on the screen, but I'll read some of them to you. Why not forgive? Why not you? Well, here's some why nots. Because it doesn't feel right. I don't want to dig up old issues. It exposes me to deeper pain. You feeling it? This is real stuff. It exposes me. It makes me look weak. I'm a prideful man, just so you know. I don't like to look weak. But it makes me look weak. It looks like I'm taking the blame. What if they don't accept it? Number seven. What if they do? And I struggle with that. So this week, sit down on Monday, I look at my scripture that I'm going to be preaching, and God said, Brian, you cannot preach this message until you have done what I told you to do. So write it down. First step, write it down. So I pulled out a notepad. And I wrote down, uh, I wrote a note to two people. They were a little bit different, but said basically the same, the same thing. I wrote it, finished writing it, I read it. God said, send it. I said, okay, well, I could send it in the mail. Okay, so I put it off. I didn't send it in the mail. Uh, I could email it. I, I didn't email it. I could send it through Facebook. That's a little informal and immature. However, If he gets it through Facebook, he'll get it immediately, and I guarantee you he'll read it. So I started it off. And I really don't want this to be uh, 
shown on video about in the public. So just cut that, right? This is for us today. I said, Nathan, you may be surprised to hear from me, but I pray that you will read what I've written. I'll be brief. I said, I've thought a lot about, over the past few months and weeks, I've thought a lot about how our relationship ended. And God has brought to my mind my attitudes, my actions, and words I may have spoken that would hurt you deeply. And I realize what those would have done to bring us to the outcome we experienced. And so, today I'm asking you for forgiveness. And I said this. I said, also, I have worked through a lot of my own hurts and pains. And I want to let you know that you're forgiven. I pray blessings on your family. Hope you're doing well in Christ, Brian. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I was shaking. I felt bad the whole day. I hated that I sent that message. Even after I got a response. Okay, So just know it doesn't feel good to forgive. So forgiveness is not a feeling. It can feel good later. This was his response. Brian, would it surprise you that I'm not surprised? Lately, God has been speaking to me about forgiveness and keeping no record of wrongs. He said, not even one hour ago, I went through my phone and I deleted every interaction that I had with you through that process. I forgave you a long time ago in my heart. Then he said he had still was having some difficulties with letting it all go. And then he said, I'll read it. He said, I deleted all the notes of our last interactions that were saved in my phone. I had forgiven you a long time ago in my heart, and that is what has kept me from being angry and bitter. But I accept your apology, and I want you to know that I forgive you for everything. Please forgive me for the ways that I may have hurt you and hindered the ministry of Christ through you. I have prayed for you and your family often. Love, Nathan. For three years I held on to unforgiveness. But in an instant I was set free in forgiveness. Forgiveness can be very hypothetical. But we don't embrace it until it becomes very practical in our lives. And so that brings me to number eight. Forgiveness is dangerous. Forgiveness is dangerous. And you say, what do you mean it's dangerous? Well, it's dangerous because if you don't do it, it'll destroy you from the inside out. But second, it's dangerous because if you do do it, it will destroy every stronghold of bitterness and anger and hurt and pride and hostility and revenge. Every stronghold of hell that has been held against you and locked you in will be broken free. You'll be set free to breathe again. The pressure that is on you, like an elephant sitting on your chest, will be released. 
You say, well, you don't understand. I don't think that'll happen to me. I guarantee it will happen to you. If you want freedom, you got to forgive. And what happens is it's dangerous because what happens is through forgiveness, God eventually can bring people back together. See, love, you can't really love somebody until you've gone through conflict with them. Do you believe that? you got history with them. You've, you've gone the distance with them. There's hurt. There's pain. You've got a lot invested. Hey, I've invested a lot here. I'm not leaving. And so that conflict and reconciliation keeps you together. Well, what's so dangerous is God keeping you together. And that where there's two or three or more gathered in the name of, God, of, of Christ, that you can't be separated. Christ meets with you. Christ is in the midst. And with Christ in the midst, with the Holy Spirit moving in the midst of the body, nothing can stop that power. That's why forgiveness is so dangerous. Forgiveness and reconciliation is the ministry that God has called us to as the body of Christ. We don't have an option. We have to forgive. I started thinking about Paul. and He wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. He says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And let me stop there and I'll be done in just a second. I've got to be done in just a second. He begins the chapter by talking about this, this veil that has covered the faces of people where they couldn't really hear and understand the gospel. The veil that covers the people, the, the faces of the people today where they can't understand the gospel is the veil of unforgiveness in the hearts of Christian people. When they look at our lives, there's something that they don't see that they're expecting to see. When they see anger and malice and division and revenge all being carried out in the lives of Christians, they turn away from the gospel. But when they see this uncommon, unexplainable type of love and forgiveness and care of loving one another, connecting with one another despite our differences, despite our faults, despite our conflicts that we've had in the past, people say, I want some of that. That's the air I want to breathe. And what I say around here is that there are people that will not ever be able to breathe the air of Clearpoint Church. Because I'll tell you this. My heart and my desire and my fight will be to keep the air clean in this place. To keep it a place of forgiveness. To keep it a place of power, alright? Hey, the power can surge. Don't ever forget that God is your power. God is the one who empowers you. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to forgive. Can't do it without Him. This is, what he, this is what Paul says. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Amen. Can we just praise Him today? We're not destroyed. Don't let unforgiveness destroy you the question is number one what are you breathing number two who's your one who's the one you need to forgive you know i had people that ask you know why didn't you do communion on easter you know the church seems to be doing communion on special occasions and easter is one of the most special occasions of all my response was kind, but it was this in a nutshell. 
Communion is about the death of Christ. Easter is about the resurrection. So we don't really celebrate communion on Easter. But when you talk about the death of Christ, you have to see it for what it is. It was the most pure and perfect breath of air for religious people of all time to see that God would send His own Son to forgive us of our sins. God initiated forgiveness. And that for us makes it a whole lot less difficult. And so today I want us to I want us to spend a few minutes. I know we're going to go a little long here. I, I apologize, but this is a special day. It can be, it can be the, the day that changed your life. If when you come to partake of, of, of communion and forgiveness, you do it in the right spirit. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he's talking about the Last Supper, that Jesus, when He was about to give the bread, He said, do this in remembrance of Me. And when He was about to share the wine, He said, hey, do this in remembrance of Me. Um, remember this. Remember My death till I come. But then He said this, before you partake of it, examine yourself. It doesn't really say what about yourself you're to examine. But I would say is to examine your heart and examine yourself to see if there's any impurities of unforgiveness in your life because we want to walk worthy of the gospel and what you'll see here is um, I put stacks of post-it notes here with a pen I'm going to ask you to write down the name of a person that you need to forgive or that you need to ask forgiveness of you don't have to give that to us put it in your Bible, put it somewhere where you can bring that back next week. Will you do that? I want you to examine yourself. Communion, the way we do communion here is you can do it alone, you can do it with a friend, you can do it with your family. When you're finished here, examining yourself and you feel free and ready to partake of communion, then we invite you to partake. Communion is for those who have believed in Christ those who are followers of Christ, that have placed their sins under the blood of Christ. Um, if you have children in here, and I don't see many, um, if any, I see some. Make sure that you either guide them to that end and show them what communion is for, or just demonstrate and begin using this as a teaching tool. Okay. So let's stand together. Philip, will you come? Will you just provide a little bit of music for us, please, as this is a time of examination and participation together as we partake of communion and examine ourselves together. Father, today I just pray for our hearts to be open.